because they're going to be like, okay, I'm making, I'm putting so much time into it. There really isn't return on investment. I don't know what to do anymore. You know, um, I'm not getting, you know, any, any kind of like response, you know? And so that's where we're trying, that's what we're trying to impact. We're trying to tell them, Hey, your listenership is actually gold for us. So let us help you monetize. Let us help you make this worth it and worth your while as like a, you know, part-time thing that you do on the side, make some extra income um, and still do what you love, which is podcasting. Rand, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Ravi. I'm good. How are you doing? Um, you know, it's refreshing to have a fellow podcaster on the show. Um, <laughs> generally, we're I'm dealing with people who are the first time on a show and amateur microphone, um, you know, don't have a proper setup. Lighting is not mm-hmm. on cue um, and we have to kind of guide them through that in the beginning and it's a fumble. But, you know, you're coming here on point. So I'm looking forward to talking about uh, yourself and uh, UCAST, your startup. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here and talk about UCAST. But you know what? I'm still getting the hang of the lighting and the the, the visual setup because my podcast is audio only. Um, so I'm still I'm still a, a newbie when it comes to the visual so, setup. So I apologize for that. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot to learn too. Uh, prior to uh, lockdown, I had a whole team. Um, you know, we had like a physical uh, uh, physical mm-hmm. set. So now I'm forced to learn all these new little nuances about lighting angles and where things kind of come out of. I'm still I'm still picking up on that. Yeah, you'd be surprised how terrible the MacBook camera is. I have a very late MacBook Pro, and the camera quality is just like not, <laughs> not the best. So let's talk about uh, you, the podcaster, and uh, mm-hmm. I really love the dynamic being a founder and a podcaster. Um, one of one of my recent mentors that I've been talking to, you know, talks about. One of the key roles of CEO is storytelling, uh, is mm-hmm. ability to build narrative internally with investors, externally. Um, you're really telling a, vi- a story of your vision for what 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 you're solving, the problems you're solving, and I think yeah. podcasting is just the the the, the, the coolest to- tool for uh, that it, for that kind of. Um, um, that kind of role, right, to fulfill that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about why you got into podcasting and how that kind of fits uh, into what you're doing now. Yeah, so the reason why I got into podcasting was actually because of my company, um, which you will learn about in a little bit. But um, my company is about podcasting and it's around podcasting. Um, and I'm, I'm a very big podcast fan and I found it a little bit embarrassing that I'm starting a company about podcasting, but I don't have my own podcast and I, I'm i in love with podcasting. So I was like, why did I just never get into it? Yeah. And I just, it was one of those moments where I told my co-founder, I'm like, listen, I'm starting a podcast. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, yeah, that's that's been the journey of, uh, of podcasting. It wasn't for any specific reason. It was just to also understand our users a lot better since our users are podcasters. Um, and if we are podcasters ourselves, we're able to put ourselves in our users' shoes and be able to really um, understand the pains that they're feeling when as founders, sometimes you cannot relate. Mm. So that was also another very, very big factor. Okay. So let's talk about UCAS, so the tool for mm-hmm. podcasters. So what, is, what problems yes. do you solve? Um, yeah. So uh, UCAS essentially is a platform or a marketplace that mm-hmm. is making it easy for, for smaller individual and indie podcasts to be able to get CPM advertisement. And it's also connecting advertisers with the podcasters. So we noticed a very big problem in the, in the podcaster space, which has not been addressed yet. Um, and that was 97% of podcasts are not monetized. However, 
podcasts have what we call a gold listenership. So even a podcast as small as a thousand listenership has such a targeted listenership and such a loyal listenership that it can create incredible ROI for any company essentially that is advertising for whatever purpose, right? Um, but we also noticed that it's nearly impossible for those companies to find these podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did so many tests where, you know, we got over $13,000 in ad requests from different smaller businesses. And we tried to match make them with podcasters organically or manually. And it took us months mm-hmm. and more than half of them did not go through simply because of the length of how much it took. So we're like, okay, there's a very big problem here. Um, let's build a platform to try and solve it. And that's essentially what Ucast is. It helps you, it helps advertisers find the right podcast. Um, and it helps smaller podcasters finally, and for the first time, be able to get some monetization. That's really interesting. Uh, we we briefly tried the ad support model um, when mm-hmm. we were uh, still a physical show because um, we had such a large overhead of being uh, being like a physical in presence with like a yeah. videographer and camera uh, camera crew. Uh, you know, we were able to like, secure like a title sponsor that was significant enough to cover our costs. And, That's amazing. And um, and what was crazy was that they understood that we only had a small audience, like. Yep. And uh, a low, uh, no, uh, but like the loyalty aspect of there, like they realized that we were talking to everyone in the Toronto startup ecosystem, and they're like, mm-hmm. okay, that CPG alone, um, you know, of, of going around, uh, being able to target that audience in a very targeted way in a new, uh, a new platform of audio, uh, that's interesting enough. They were able to take a, they were they were taking a bet, you know. Unfortunately, COVID happened and uh, sponsorship yep. kind of dried up. But we've even today, uh, you know, we no longer follow an ad ad supported model, but. Um, even today, we get requests of companies saying, like, there was an ed tech company. A friend of mine asked, you know, I was like, you know, how about we pay? We can pay po- if we can pay podcasters just to talk to parents, right? And mm-hmm. we can, you know, insert an ad there. And it's like, okay, they're a parent. There probably other parents who listen to, um, you know, these episodes because it's going to go through their networks. And how can mm-hmm. we, you know, credibility hack, you know, through like social yeah. uh, through their through their social circle, right? You're targeting their social circle around. Um, around that conversation. So uh, yeah. I, I love this idea because there's so many micro podcasts right now. Everyone uh, is, everyone and their mother is creating a podcast. I think there's like... When I hear something crazy, mm-hmm. um, in 2019, there were 800,000 podcasts, yep. or so 900,000 podcasts. And in 2021, there are nearly 3 million. Mm. That, that growth sprout in the past three years was crazy. absolutely insane the amount of micro podcasting that exists and the thing is let's be honest not all of them are going to make it actually probably 99% of them are not going to make it and what I mean by that is they're not going to be the next Joe Rogan right they're not going to get a hundred thousand listenership um or go viral and because the content is meant to be targeted it's meant to be micro Right. But more than 50 percent of these podcasts are also going to drop out in their first year of podcasting because they're going to be like, okay, I'm making I'm putting so much time into Mm -hmm. it. There really isn't return on investment. I don't know what to do anymore. You know, Um, I'm not getting, you know, any any kind of response, you know. And so that's where we're trying. That's what we're trying to impact. We're trying to tell them, hey, your listenership is actually gold for us. So let us help you monetize let us help you make this worth it and worth your while as like a you know part-time thing that you do on the side make some extra income um and still do what you love which is podcasting yeah um yeah so let's talk about this right like the, the an ad supported model for these micro podcasts because yeah, yeah. on instagram so I did- actually before we talk about that i would love to learn more about why you decided not to do an ad supportive uh 
uh, model for your podcast? Oh, uh, we, we tried to go. Um, so the number we went by for total number of podcasts, when I looked it up, was 1.4 million podcasts. And mm-hmm. I looked at it and uh, it was like only about 10, only about 1%, about 10,000 podcasts um, ran like a um, ran, ran was completely uh, were, were profiting. They were you know, revenue, mm-hmm. not just revenue positive, but profiting off of purely an ad supported model. Uh, and I'm mm-hmm. like, that's an insane number because it's, uh, the, the, um, you know, we believe that we were operating on the, on the assumption and the companies we were, we were talking to was that an ad support num- model only works for large audiences, right? Mm-hmm. So the, it's based purely off of reach and download. So the most downloads you get, uh, you know, that, that marketing drive is what, what, what got you. And I, we didn't want to enter that race of trying to go mm-hmm. out and just get everyone listened to. Uh, you know, we were more into the idea of spotlighting um, um, uh, cool entrepreneurs and just creating uh, the, the media. The, the, mm-hmm. the audience was kind of always secondary for us because we're just like, uh, we have a loyal base, but we built a, a loyal base off of those working in, in, in very particular industries. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have a, um, a subscriber list that's ascribed to our episodes. And because of that, our, our loyalty is there. So instead of taking the loyalty and, you know, transferring it to, um, um, what is it? to um ads what if they just paid us right so we actually have okay. we have we have corporate uh companies who pay us at a, a, a on a on a quarterly basis to do this because they want That's to cool. hear from startups that are coming out of so they they want to know okay. what well, you know they want to know about these companies so we we went to that model and i'm like you know i'm happy with this because now you know i don't have to focus too much on the audience and, and having to be answerable to who's viewing our mm-hmm. episodes and stuff like that to corporate sponsors i can just focus on what i what i love doing which is uh, talking to people like yourself yeah and see here's the cool thing about our platform is um our platform does not just like enable cpm models it enables also such models to be discovered um uh, because a lot of these companies they exactly what you said. They want to sponsor a podcast and essentially they want to pay someone to do this content and they want essentially the rights to the content, um, which it's, it's also very hard to find that, that, that good match. So that's another thing that UCAS also does. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, that's a very interesting model that not a lot of people are familiar with yet. Yeah, we went the corporate angle. Um, you know, it, it, you know, it, we 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 played it, and it's kind of it's kind of working for us. But you know, I'm still open to the to a ad supported model or it's a hybrid mm-hmm. model, um, especially if yeah. it's targeted, especially if it's like because, useful. Yeah, because I had actually, um, I've had two advertisers so far request a um, Canada Canadian targeted podcast specifically for startups yeah. and founders. Um, and so the way I do my manual research is by per- licensing um, lesson notes, which mm-hmm. essentially gives me the rights to be able to do a thorough research. Yeah. Believe it or not, you never came on my radar. So that's why like, I, I've, I've probably messaged so many podcasts that are that are discoverable, but there are so many podcasts like yourself that are doing exactly what I need, exactly what those advertisers need, but it's just so hard to find them and discoverability is terrible. Um, so that's another thing also that, that you cast is solving is like how do i find people like you how do i find podcasters like you who have the target market that those people are looking for or the advertisers are looking for yeah i mean um this is actually something we can talk take, take offline but uh, <laughs> I, I i love the idea of like talking to these other other podcasters so we ourselves have started building a network of other podcasts in the innovation space who are talking mm-hmm. innovators and we're like hey can we just create like a uh, a circuit for our founders, you know, who, who can go on multiple podcasts together. How can we coordinate this? Like, if you look at Joe Rogan, he has a bunch of friends who podcast, like Lex, um, Lex Friedman, um, and like, um, 
uh, Sam Harris and, and like they're all big names of themselves, but mm-hmm. they will transfer really good grace uh, guests amongst themselves and saying, hey, you got to talk to this guy. And then we talk about the same kind of kind of material, but in like a different way, but to a different audience. Yeah. And it's and it's more organic that way. It's like it's like I find value like in this guest, but like, you know, you should talk to them, too. And like help help, you know, get their message out. And That's I, really cool. I love the kind of culture of, of doing those kind of things. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I'd love to work with you in the future about that. You know, how can we build a network of, of podcasts? So you can do like this, this common thing, right. Of like, um, you know, just like a late night TV show, you, you know, people they, they <laughs> like, they do circuits of like, you know, uh, books, right. Authors who come in and like highlight a book or a movie, like what, mm-hmm. uh, the rocks doing with jungle crews going in all these different circuits. Like how can we do make entrepreneurs, our founders, uh, you know, be able to do this. And, uh, you know, that would yeah. be really cool to be able to facilitate. It would be. It, it would be very, it would be a very interesting concept, especially in Toronto, because I feel like entrepreneurs in Toronto are very, it's it's a very tight-knit community. Yeah. Um, and even though you might not know each other, you know, off the places you are incubated with yeah. or accelerated with. And so it's almost like every, it's a small city. Everybody knows each other. It would, yeah, it, discoverability would be pretty awesome in that case. Yeah. I mean, it's very tight. Like it very, it's like very, the degree of separation is insane. Toronto is a really mm-hmm. big city. Physically, it's a big city. Physically, right? it's a, and there's a lot of people, but the startup community is very small. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, but going, going across this, um, uh, I think there was a, um, uh, in, in, in Vancouver, a big crisis for founders because there's like no one talking about startups like in Vancouver. Like mm-hmm. Toronto gets a lot of highlights, but mm-hmm. in Canadian tech overall, there's a lot of things happen that just kind of slides under the radar. Unless you get a funding round or get a really big funding, you don't really get media. Right. And yeah. what I love about, uh, you know, podcasting is that, okay, I'm a founder and no one's listening to me. Why can't I just get my voice heard and just start projecting? Right. And that's the power of podcasts that I find as empowering for founders who are willing to take that. Uh, back Absolutely. in the day, you had to write an ebook <laughs> to get discovered, right? <laughs> or blogs. Or, or, or blogs, yeah. or like, you know, go crazy on socials. But now you can just start mm-hmm. talking. Um, so let's talk about, about podcasts and about building uh, this ad supported model for podcasts. Like, what made mm-hmm. you like podcasts in general when you start listening to them? Um, I started listening to them a really long time ago. I think when I. I mean, not that long ago, but when I started um, my bachelor's, um, I had a professor who recommended my first podcast ever, which was called Business Wars. I think that was like four years ago, five years ago. And I just fell in love with it. And I was like, I I listened to every single episode and I became one of those people who would just like wait for a new episode to drop. and I was like, okay, what kind of, what, what other podcasts exist like this one? And I started doing some research and I found some other really cool podcasts and, you know, the Joe Rogan boom and then the Call Her Daddy boom and then podcasting <laughs> became a thing. And, you know, it just trickled from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. I just discovered Business Wars by, the, really? by Wondery, right? The Wondery yeah. podcast. It's amazing. I've been addicted. I've been following the Bacardi rum it's battle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and their narrative style is Oh, it's 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 art it's art yeah. I'm, i love it i love their storytelling i love their narrative i love the way they they they, they do the two-sided competition of two companies they explain it so well it's just amazing absolutely i feel uh, like i'm doing a free sponsorship for them. <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know wondery got bought out by amazon for a couple for, yeah. a, for a few billion dollars i think like 4.9 yeah, billion amazon's been buying a lot of podcast networks which is also very interesting. Uh, Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify. Um, you know, right now it's huge land grab and on creator spaces. Um, yeah. 
so like let's you know let's talk about that like like there's a lot of like new new mediums new platforms now coming up around this trying to get this land grab right all these big giants mm-hmm. are buying up and, and showing the market there's a lot of froth in this marketplace that this is important right what what yeah. does a creative economy creator economy mean to you from the podcast angle what do you see it yeah so more than the podcasting angle um the creative the creator economy as a whole is is revolutionary mm-hmm. because we have went into this we have gone out of the nine to five industrial age and we have gone into this age of entrepreneurial activities of creativity of innovation um, of having a voice of having a personal brand right Mm. so now me as a person even if i do work full-time or even if i do have a nine to five i still can build my own branded identity and i can one day be independent of that corporate you know nine to five that many people struggle with Um, and so the creator economy gave many people well, the chance for their voice to be heard, the chance to tell their stories, the chance to build their own brand, and the chance to also have an audience, right? Which is which is also very, it's creating an audience and being a creator is very difficult because anybody thinks that they, if they're consistent, they can be a creator. And if they just post, post general content, they can be a creator, which is very wrong. Um, being a creator takes not only dedication, it takes a lot of creativity, it takes a lot of innovation, it takes a lot of experience. If you're on Twitter, and you just write bullshit, nobody's going to follow you, right? Um, especially Twitter creators. Oh my God, it's so hard. I've been on it for five months and I'm just like, I don't even, I don't have any more words to write. <laughs> um, so yeah, the creator economy as a whole just created a the opportunity for people to own their lives, to own their voice, to own their innovation. It's the same as the entrepreneurial boom, yeah. right? Now everybody can start a business. Anybody can succeed. Anybody can dictate what their life is going to look like. And that independence and that liberty really is is what it's about. I love that. I think you summed it up so well. Um, I think it comes down to freedom, right? Um, mm-hmm. the inter- this is full cycle. Internet used to be help you get discovered so you to monetize that separately. But now you can monetize directly without mm-hmm. having to you know, build your own platform. And, um, you know, I think Naval Ravikant is like the best thinker around this. Uh, I'm not sure if you follow him on Twitter. Yeah, he, he's spot on a lot of things. Uh, the co-founder of AngelList, we talk about him on the show yeah. all the time. He gets free mm-hmm. for sponsorship all the time just because of these <laughs> gems. But he talked about this, right? The internet gave two new forms of leverage. The old forms of leverage was capital and labor. Both of them were permissioned. Mm-hmm. Someone had to give it to you. Uh, mm-hmm. But because of the platform of the internet, they have given you given us two new forms of leverage to do things. Uh, media and uh, and um, and code, right? Code mm-hmm. is you add on to the hard, add on to the shell of the internet. You're, you're adding pieces to it uh, of what is a combined functionality can do, and you get rewarded from the market. And two is media, which is a soft, the soft layer, the wet layer, right? The stuff that runs yeah. on the internet, uh, whether it be a ebook, whether it be a, a um, publication, uh, a blog, or uh, or an, or a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can create these, both these things you can create for free. I mean, if you have a smartphone, you can just plug your headphones in and just start, you know, making stuff on Instagram, recording a podcast, talking to people mm-hmm. and recording that, publish it. Like the tools are the zero marginal cost in getting started, uh, getting started now. Uh, and especially with tools like you and, and UCAST are doing is helping them monetize. They don't have to worry about how do I monetize? All they have to do is how can I be creative and how can I gather an audience? How can I uh, build a model around me? And utilize the tools that exist, right? So code exactly. versus media. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's the same, you know, with with even building a company. It's it, it, the tools are existent. It's almost there's like a blueprint. Um, 
there's absolutely no excuse for anybody anymore to say that, well, I don't have access or I don't have the opportunity or I'm not able to. And I'm talking primarily about North America. I'm not talking about, you know, anywhere else in the world. Um, but in North America, there's absolutely no excuse for anybody to be like, oh, I was forced in this, into this life. I have no choice because everybody primarily has a choice, right? If you have the tools, if you have the opportunity, if you have the access, you know, it's just, it's, it's about the hard work mm-hmm. and that's, that's what they call the American dream, right? It's like anything's possible. Mm-hmm. It's a Canadian dream now. Right? And the Canadian dream is the North American dream. <laughs> it's a North American dream. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think it's beyond North America now. Like, I think the creative economy with the power of the internet is uh, connected mm-hmm. to the world, right? Like, there's always been this culture of, like, segmentation. Different parts of the world create uh, mm-hmm. create different things. But with the internet now, the individual's empowered, right? You're no longer stuck to just because your country is really good at, uh, you know, manufacturing. Um, the stuff that I create must be, like, products, physical products, or being yeah. able to add to the manufacturing labor, uh, Right. So now like people are kind of enabled um, to kind of kind of build on their own. So let's let's talk about the, the creator economy and empowering that. Because I think that's what mm-hmm. the, the, the Web 3.0 is always going to be about. Web 2.0 was built on social, connecting people mm-hmm. through social being, creating new tribes through the, through the digital uh, through digital connections. But Web 3.0 is about building communities and micro economies right yeah. around ideas, around celebrity, um, around concepts. Um, the Korean group, BTS. Right. Yeah. They have um, their army. Right. Like they have. Literally, they, yeah, they have an army. <laughs> literally called army. Like mm-hmm. where they just buy everything they do, support things that they do. Like you know, KFC will do a franchise model with with, with the band, and everyone lines up KFC to get that particular thing. So, this idea of like creatives taking this power of like the higher levels, right? Platforms mm-hmm. give 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 in, uh, give individuals more access, democratizing things. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the ad supported model and how that helps creatives, right? Like, um, what what have some testimonials been? Like, what kind of podcasts have you worked with? Um, so so far, we are actually pre-launch, so we are launching our product in September. Okay. So we haven't had um, a testimonial based on our product yet, okay. but we have had many podcasters reach out to us um and asking us you know when this platform is going to open more specifically again independent and indie podcasts and we've had testimonials from podcasters and when i say testimonials more like stories where you know we've we've met with podcasters who've been doing this for five years and their listenership has stabilized at a thousand um per per episode in the first 30 30 days um, which again is very little. And for four years, they have not made a cent on their podcast, you know, but they're dedicated. They want to keep on doing this, but like, you know, they're, they're, they're giving up and they're yeah. like, well, our audience love us. We love us. We love what we do, but it's very difficult to continue when there's no monetization, when there's no return on investment, because that's, you know, 20 hours a week that you're putting into your podcast that you could be doing something else. Right. So those are the stories of literally, you know, thousands of Indian independent podcasts. And that's essentially the access that we're providing, right? It's how do you stop thinking about, okay, podcasting is almost a dead end. And how do you start thinking about how can I leverage the micro influence that I have on those people? Right, right. Um, I love this. If you have a, a list um, uh, of podcasts waiting, uh, please add us. Uh, I'll love to try. I'll, I'll love to try this. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, we're launching September first, so we're uh, we're we're launching our pre beta forms yeah. for 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 sign in and on August thirteenth, so in a couple of days. Um, so everybody will have an access that will have the opportunity to 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 be put on the wait list, and then from there we're gonna 
you know, dumb it down and pick our top 50 and have them test the platform firsthand. Okay. If it, if it helps bump us up, uh, we have a few friends who want to sponsor us, but <laughs> we haven't, I haven't fi- figured out how to uh, facilitate that. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you just guys can. All in email. Give it all to me. I'll, I'll facilitate <laughs> everything. Don't worry. All right. That's amazing. Uh, I'm serious. Uh, I love to, I love to support. Yeah, I me think too. I, like uh, <laughs> this, this is something that's top of mind. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. cool. So let's talk about, um, audio, um, revolution, right? So you're, you're now yeah. podcasting, right? How is, how is getting into the space look like? Um, it's very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so here's what I mean by it's very disappointing. You buy your gear, you know, you 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 create your cover art, you create your storyline, mm. you know, you try to say like on social media, hey, I'm launching a podcast in a couple of weeks, you know, keep an eye out, you interview amazing people, and then you launch your podcast, and then you start looking at the stats and you're like, No one's listening. Only 15 people listen to me. Yeah. You know, and like there's this there's this excitement that the day you launch, for some reason, thousands of people are going to listen to you, right? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, shit, only 20 people listen to me. And so it it, it, it was a very disappointing beginning, um, as I'm pretty sure for every podcaster, unless you have like a platform where you're able to um, really um, you know, market your podcast. Mm. So my strategy so far has been getting people with a very large following on Twitter on my podcast mm-hmm. with the hopes that their audience become my audience. Um, so since I don't have that large following, it's, it's, it's been my strategy to start getting people um, or interviewing people who have a little bit larger following. And I've been successful at that. One of my biggest um, interviews, which is going to be coming up in a, um, or which is going to be released in a couple of weeks uh, is with Chris Messina. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He has like 110 plus thousand followers on Twitter. Awesome. He was the inventor of the hashtag. He's now head of uh, BizDev uh, of Republic um, in North America, which is pretty amazing. He's worked at Google, Uber, all these amazing stuff. An amazing mind. We've had, we had the best conversation about decentralization and centralized systems. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's been like the, the, my journey into this, into the audio space. I'm also very active. I was, I, I've been one of the very first people in social audios as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I absolutely fell in love with social audio. I was so excited when Twitter launched Twitter spaces. Um, I do a Twitter space every single morning on the weekdays, mm-hmm. um, with, with a bunch of friends of mine. And we do like, you know, a wrap up of what happened the day before in the tech space and do like, you know, what we call it the morning tea. Mm-hmm. Morning tea. I like it. Yeah. Um, no, what you talked about, about, you know, launching this, uh, launching this and having nobody pay, pay, like, you know, pay attention. That's, that's always been like the founder, like nightmare, right? Like I'm going to oh. launch my product and everyone's going to buy it and no one buys it. Oh my God. Right. No one wants okay. it. Same thing with the uh, creators, right? They launch things out there and you watch a view count. It could be on Instagram, yeah. looking at the view count. It can be on podcasting, right? We're like programmed as social animals to look at like validation metrics, right? Yeah. And it's one of the things why, like I, 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 I wanted to veer away from the analytics component, the ad supportive model, because I didn't want to be viewed as that. I just wanted to create for a while to get good at the craft mm-hmm. of creating and then start focusing on the actual building side of things, right? The building the business yeah, side. Yeah, which, which, which is very admirable because I don't think, I don't think a creator, so I started like recently mm-hmm. and I don't think I'm in a position where I should even consider monetization, right? And I think that's, with our vetting, we're going to be looking at podcasters who've been doing this for at least a couple of months, mm-hmm. simply because 
once you become good at storytelling and once you become good at content creation, it becomes a lot easier to build your audience. But if you're starting off and you know, you're stuttering, you don't know how to speak, you don't know how to interview, you don't know how to have a conversation, you know, and and simply you're just not creating interesting content and you try to monetize, that's not going to work. Right. It's, it's first learn how to create good content, how to share good content, mm-hmm. how to do amazing storytelling on just audio. Cause it's very difficult to keep people attentive for an hour. Right. And once you get that craft down, then you start thinking, okay, how do I grow? How do my, how do I monetize? How, I, how do I think about the business side of things? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I think like more people need to think about this. Cause I think like, uh, someone, uh, there was, a, a, a some analytics left, uh, said behind like 64% of all podcasts are, have only six episodes up and then people fall off after that. Um, and I think the main reason is this, they expect to blow up and they're like, Oh, mm-hmm. I'm not, this is not amazing. I'm not, I'm not going to do it anymore. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, uh, for, for us, like, uh, we actually started with like some milestones. So, so we're like, before I even created one episode, I'm like, how do I create a hundred? Right. Yeah. Like if you can get to a hundred, especially in one hour plus episodes, that's a hundred hours of me just getting better at talking to people and like mm-hmm. getting comfortable with that. When I first started doing this, I used to get like the sweats, right? Cause I'm like, there's cameras pointed at me. I'm talking to them super smart people, <laughs> right? Like uh, this, this is going to be recorded. And like, I've never been on ca- camera that much before. Right. So like it's such an uncomfortable experience. That, it is. Right. It is. And getting past that uncomfortable experience. I think that's the main thing. Like you got to train yourself just like, you know, a boxer trains at the gym uh, before mm-hmm. the fight. Right. Like your fight could be that one amazing piece of content that you create. Right. That amazing guest that comes on. But you don't want that to be like your second or third episode. Mm-hmm. Right. You want that to be like when you're in your like in your mojo of like knowing yeah. exactly what you're doing. I mean, and it took what Joe Rogan, what, seven, 10 years to get where he is. Yeah. Everybody thinks, you know, Joe Rogan just boomed, but he was he's been doing it so, since I think 2010. So before yeah. even people were interested in podcasting. Right. Yeah. So it took him a really long time to get where he is. And just it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, Joe Rogan was like an inspiration for this, right? So main reason yeah. we started a video podcast was Joe Rogan, uh, like, uh, you know, being a fan of Joe. And one of the things he talked about, like he openly talks about, it's like, I don't look at the numbers. I don't look yeah. at my view count. I don't, I just try to create the best content and let the... I mean, he doesn't need to when you have millions of people listening to you. Yeah, but like, if you listen <laughs> to his older matter. stuff, he was always consistent about that. And yeah. he wasn't, it wasn't a business thing because he was like, you know, one thing with Joe Rogan, like he actually made it himself. He, he made some good money. Uh, you know, fear mm-hmm. factor and all these different things, a career. So it wasn't a money thing for him. So he, he like, unlike most creatives who are, you know, their time, his time wasn't as uh, pressed, right, to, to gain, gain capital. But he, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to do this because I enjoy it and then try to figure out how to monetize around it. And like, people, I don't think most people know this, like most of his revenue came from not um, his uh, podcast by creating businesses around it, partnerships and yeah. partnering with other companies like on it and like, you know, and talking about it on air and just, pro- and, and just like organically promoting it, not just ads, but organically. And people just buy that stuff, yeah. right? That's how he promoted a show. He built business around this podcast. So that really inspired me. I'm like, how can founders use this, right? How can we make it so easy so that a founder can pick up a mic and talking about their vision and just talk things in existence, you know, like, so, so here's actually the thing, or here's where I see uh, the, fa- not the fall down, but the, the difficulty of the creator economy and mm-hmm. why many people fail into, yeah. in, in, into it. Um, 
people go into it not with the mindset of I'm creating people go into it or have been going into it and I had this conversation so many times on Twitter spaces um they're going into it with the idea of I'm gonna make money right so I'm gonna go on TikTok I'm gonna go on Twitter I'm gonna go on Instagram I'm gonna blow up I'm gonna get sponsorships I'm gonna make money mm-hmm. in the end that's the end goal and when you build anything and I wholeheartedly believe in this um, cause I'm not only, like, I do have a bachelor in business, but I'm a designer, UX, UI designer. And I can, I hope I can consider myself a creator and I love innovation as a, as, as a whole. And I wholeheartedly believe when drive is, is, is money, mm-hmm. you fail at things. When drive is value, it's going to take a lot of time and effort to succeed, but eventually there's a road to success there. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are trying to make money fast on the internet, right? And that's it's just not going to work out. And if it's working out, it's probably a scam or you're, you know, deep into some Forex trading mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where I think people need to reshift their focus mm-hmm. instead of how can I make money in the next year? How can I provide value to my listeners in the next year? How can I become someone that they can rely on? And they can know they can come to whenever they want to feel better or whenever they want to get knowledge or whenever they want to learn about something new or listen to entrepreneurs talk about their businesses, right? So it's it's becoming, it's it's building that brand based on value, not based on monetization. And that's where I think that this connect is in creator economy today. Yeah. So let's talk about the creator economy, right? Like when, when I think about the future of creator economy, I think about, uh, you know, Ready Player One, um, where uh, we watched the movie. No, you got to watch the movie. I, I think, <laughs> I think, I think, we, I think even creators need to read the book because um, Ready Player One talks about a world where everyone's on this global platform. It's where everyone plays on a giant um, a game, a virtual reality game, and everybody mm-hmm. makes money through this. Like entire people's livelihoods comes from this, and some people are, 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 are make really good money, but the mm-hmm. vast majority are grinders, just making barely enough to survive and losing money in the system, right? Yeah, and. It's kind of a, a despotic, but like it talk, but we we look at it as, as like, oh, this can never happen. But look at the, look at us now, based off twenty years ago, right? Like people are literally doing like silly dances on TikTok and getting money from that, right? Getting sponsorships and and building or a system like that. We're being trained by uh, by algorithms. There's a great podcast uh, I was listening to about fintech, and it's basically talking about how fintech uh, can't actually accurately operate, um, build models around individuals, but how to securitize them. So it, they're now shifting their focus to be like, we can't, we can't predict uh, the outside factor that's going to influence you if you're an insurance company. But if we can, you know, gamify you to uh, act in accordance to how we want you to, it's like we can, we can build you into our economy. Like your behavior mm-hmm. matches into what we think is ideal um, and then we'll reward you for it. Right. And it's like, it's like the algorithms are slowly training the humans on how to behave in all yeah. aspects of our life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so monetization is another aspect of that. Do this and you get money to survive. And slowly we're being morphed into this machine that's like, uh, like, you know, hybrid, uh, matrix kind of organization. Right. And Ready Player One talks about like the ultimate, uh, messed up dystopian version of this where like you're literally mm-hmm. plugging yourself into a virtual reality game. The physical space around you is polluted and dying, but in this space you can make money and, uh, be great and do all yeah. these great things. And how you can, how they, all of humanity gets sucked into this world. Yeah, we were just literally talking about that a couple of spaces ago um, where we were talking about how more, more so now, more, more than ever, kids and younger people and Gen Zs 
are living in virtual realities and want to continue living in virtual realities. And I'll give you an example. I have a 12-year-old brother and all his life is on Discord, mm -hmm. right? And he has more Discord friends than he has in real life friends. And he creates these virtual custom cost, costumes on Fortnite and they have the skin and, you know, they, they pay a lot of money for it. There's now buying virtual real estate. There's yep. there's literally a site where you buy virtual real estate. Mm -hmm. Like you buy a plot, it gives you the, the, the world, like a, a visual of a virtual reality of the earth. And you start buying and you build and then you sell. And then there's also one for animals. And, and we were talking about how people are now... Even art now is digital. Mm -hmm. Art is not physical anymore. And people are creating this virtual reality that they want to live in because in virtual reality, there's there's no limit to, to what you can do. Everything is possible. And now you can fly and now you can be blue and you can be red and you can be green and you can do literally anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so now we're, con we're, we're the, the next couple of generations are going to be conditioned that a virtual reality is more important than a real reality, but that's not necessarily bad. And that was also part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's like, is that bad? Is that good? Nobody knows. Nobody will ever know until it happens. Uh, but there's this really cool book. I think it's called The Golden Rule. Um, and essentially talks about that reward um, behavior that, that, that they create in humans. So essentially it's social media, the way it works, you know, they, they have like that reward behavior is like every time you post the reward is you get likes mm -hmm. or every time you send an email, the reward is you get a ping and someone emails you back. Um, and for something to become a habit into your life, there has to be essentially three steps, which is a, almost like, um, like an alert or something that tells you that the action's about to start. So that could be like an alarm that could be you waking up. It could be having lunch at a specific time. There's, there, there has, there has to be some kind of a, an alert to tell you to start that habit. Um, so again, another example is you wake up at 6am every day and you go to the gym. The, the, the alert is you wake up at 6am and that tells you you're going to the gym. Now, then there's the action itself, which is going to the gym or working out or eating or whatever it is. And then there's the reward that comes out of it. If there's no reward, the habit is not created. So that was actually that actually is used in advertisement. So with toothpaste, um, you don't need to actually have a flavor or any mint breathalyzer to, to for for the toothpaste to be effective. But people were not using toothpaste in the in the fifties and sixties because there was no reward behavior. The toothpaste only blew up when they put some kind of flavoring into it and you, and you felt that your breath was fresh. Same with shampoo, right? Shampoo does not need to be foamy to, to clean your hair. But the only time people started using shampoo is when there was mm. that reward of, you know, foaminess because I feel clean. I feel like something is happening. And that's how reward behaviors, you know, are created. And that's all embedded all around us in technology. And that's how more specifically networks are created and built, um, literally using that very simple psychology. Well, it's not as simple, but you know, the simple concept of, of that golden rule. I love that. I actually I really love that because it talks about the length that sometimes companies have to go in order to get the customers to use their product. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to keep the users on the product. So like with Facebook, um, it, it was very easy for, for it to go up and then go back down, mm -hmm. right? And that's that was one of the, the downfalls of Clubhouse. Clubhouse went so big and it went so down very quickly. Um, but there wasn't a reward behavior in the end. And it, it took them time to establish that reward behavior, right? So it's, it's very important for these companies to 
to think about that reward behavior of how am I going to keep my, my users on the platform when they're there. Um, and that could be through different methodologies. And that's something that we're working on in, our, in the design of our products because with monetization, people don't need to be on our platform, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we keep advertisers and podcasters coming back and expecting that reward behavior? Um, so yeah, that's, that's just like a UX and UI side of things. But it's, it's, it's very cool when you look at how products are actually built and how deep it goes um, when, when you're trying to build a product. Really cool. Now, um, uh, one of the things uh, I also want to bring up with you is uh, the, the in-between space, right, for the creator economy, right, between creating and also being a founder, right, mm-hmm. the space that you're in. Um, mm-hmm. how, how are you doing in your time? Like how, how's your team look like? Does your, does creating a podcast because you're a podcast supporting a company, is that like an internal activity? Um, that's like, that's like, you know, ingrained into the company. Like how, how do you guys structure yourselves? Yeah. So I have a team of eight people right now, um, myself and we are five permanent members and then three temporary members. So I'm the only one who does do who does podcasting actively specifically related to the company mm-hmm. but a lot of my members are creators so my co-founder is a Twitch um he he plays video games on Twitch and he's a Twitch streamer and he has like all the equipment that a podcaster would but instead he does it on Twitch um a lot of my 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 social media manager is one of the most creative people I've ever met she's you know, an artist, a musician, literally everything, the whole package. Um, so for me, when it was about, when it was time to choose my team, it was very important that the, they had a side to them that was beyond, you know, building product or beyond dev or beyond business or beyond the company itself. Because if you feel the struggles of a creator and you're solving for a creator, you're just that much passionate about it. Right. And that's something that me and my co-founder, had to come to terms with is if we're not if we're not ready to die for this problem and when I say die I mean like not physically you know but we're totally like actually you know drive ourselves to 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 the last inch to solve that problem Mm -hmm. it's just not going to happen because that's just what it takes to build a company um so we had to be as passionate as possible about it so we had to experience the pain ourselves and that was again one of the reasons why I started the podcast was because I needed to feel that pain and that frustration of being a podcaster so that I can, you know, keep going. And even when, you know, the rough times come, I can say, well, I'm feeling this problem. Millions of people are feeling this problem. This is what the value I'm bringing to the table. This is the problem that it could be solving. So let's keep on going even when things get rough. Um, So that was the mindset and the culture that I, that I tried to ingrain um, into, into my team. That's no, that's phenomenal because uh, eight people for a pre-revenue startup uh, requires some serious storytelling, right? Yes. Um, yes. A lot of a lot of talking, a lot of convincing. Yeah. Actually, not not a lot of convincing. It was actually very easy to get them on board. Um, it was just I was very lucky. I, I I believe when you're building at the right time at the right stage and you know you've got the right opportunity in the right market, things just like fall onto itself. Mm. And I feel like it all happened like that with UCAST. Um, like we started officially building, I think in May. In April, we got our pre-seed funding, non-dilutive. So we got like you know 25k to our faces without anything mm-hmm. um, in return. 
which was awesome. And then suddenly my team became eight members. And I was like, geez. Um, and now we're in September and we're almost launching our product. And we've got, yeah, a lot of people who are interested and, you know, 13K in pre um, and, and ad requests, which is amazing. And yeah, it's it's been a really, really exciting journey. Yeah. So uh, I know we're coming to the end of the hour and we'll wrap up with this, but what what advice would you give to beginning storytellers, founders who are like trying to get this as a skill? Um, how would you develop that? Just talk. <laughs> um, just start talking. Mm-hmm. Just start talking. Um, don't focus too much on getting it right. I think um, I'm I'm very much I'm a very passionate person. I'm a I, I look at the future. I'm a, I'm a I like to think of myself as a visionary as well. Um, and so when it comes to storytelling, people don't want to, people want to understand the reality, but they also want to see how you can take that reality and make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes from your own vision, from your own mindset, from learning how to communicate that. And also from making a lot of mistakes and from saying the wrong things over and over again. And I'm, I just, for me, it's, I've been speaking since I was, like 14 and 15 and I've been saying the wrong things for years now. Um, and even now I think I still say a lot of the wrong things, but it's just, you just got to start speaking. You just got to start telling your story, be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to share. Cause, um, that's what people are going to be interested in. They don't want to know your professional life. They don't want to know your resume. That's pretty boring. Tell them something unique that happened to you. Tell them your story that pushed you. Mm-hmm. And that's when people are going to start listening. I love that. Rand, this has been amazing. Uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, your, the thank candid you. conversation about podcasting and uh, founding a company. Uh, stick around. We're going to do a quick debrief. But uh, yes. for everyone else <laughs> who uh, who paid attention to this and uh, followed the journey, thank you. Thank you so much.